for years I said, oh, I'm going to work for myself. And then I would work for a developer and work as a, a channel manager or in their sales and marketing team. And then branch out on my own, not go to work for another developer. But then I just thought, no, enough's enough. I've, you know, it's been great experience to work for some of Melbourne's best developers. Um, I just feel that now I can offer my expertise and be a lot more impartial. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers and leaders. We are proud to present Courageous Conversations, a podcast series focusing on the tough decisions people have made to put themselves on a pathway to success. This episode is brought to you by Connect Now, who makes the business of moving easier for both you and your clients. For more information, visit connectnow.com.au. Please welcome your host, Leanne Pilkington. Hey everyone, Leanne Pilkington here for the latest edition of Courageous Conversations and with me I have Lara Morrow. Lara, how are you? I'm great. Thank you, Leanne. You've got your Peace, Love and Real Estate t-shirt on there. Sam will be very, very pleased to see that. Share with our audience a little bit about you. How did you get involved in property in the first place and what part of property um, do you specialise in? So I started in property, it was um, way back when. Uh, my father was in a builder and uh, or you know, was working in construction sites. So even as a little girl, I always loved to be with him in the construction sites. Yeah. And he, he was working in um, high-rise developments in the city and on my days off I'd go and visit him back when you didn't really need have a red Boots card or hats and all yeah, that didn't sort of need that. a hat or anything else it would be like oh where's my dad and that you know lead me up the lifts and everything or yeah, uh, to see him um so I guess that passion was always there from a young girl um and then you know going through sort of high school and um sort of choosing my my career from there in a university um real estate was on the list um but marketing was actually first okay. so I sort of chose a, a career of marketing and sales and marketing, and I'd been in sales for for a while. Yep. Um, well, since sort of as a teenager, uh, part time. Yep. And then, um, yeah, finishing school, I um, you know had to get to work, and one of the first jobs that I was offered was actually working in a display home uh, for what yep. was then called Pioneer Homes, which yeah, is now okay. Divine Homes. Yeah. Um, and I was all of 20 years old. Okay. And the nearest salesperson to me, the next age group was, I think, the, a gentleman who was 35. Wow. And from there, everyone else was 50, which back then sounded really old, but I'm just about to Well, it's not old. No, I know. I'm nearly, I'm nearly 50 now, and it's like, oh, my God. Okay, <laughs> it's, not so bad. it's not so bad on the other side, I promise you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, look, I've got I um, I started very young in real estate as well, and was one of the you know the only only girl, and um, and obviously really young. How did you how did you cope with that? Because that's that's challenging. That's a challenging environment. Yeah, I think um, I think because I always had the passion, and because I grew up with my um, father, and it was kind of in my blood. I, I just e- enjoyed it. I. I feel actually being female and young was to my advantage. Okay. Um, my clients, you know, was working in a display home. For me, it was great. It was, you know, back then I think there was only a few hours open on a Saturday, couple on a Sunday, couple during the week, and I didn't have to do anything else the rest of the week. Like there was yeah, nice. no expectation. It was just yep. sort of to sell. Um, 
I think back then, um, yeah, it, it, people people identified with me. I, I had first home buyers that were my market who I was selling to. I was always quite savvy financially. So back then we could, we wouldn't be able to do it now. Um, you know, I used to uh, qualify people in finance as well. Yeah. Um, obviously everything was very different back then. Just oh, yes, I remember. <laughs> what what their repayments would be a week and whether they're in the right place. So yeah. it really worked for me. And I guess because being a young female, everyone, I felt, and even colleagues or work opportunities that came up from there, um, came up as an opportunity because I was just an eager young girl yeah. um, that, you know, was very passionate. I was just about to say it sounds like you were really passionate about construction and all of those sorts of things and that really, um, people love that. They can feel that. They can see that and people really gravitate to people that are uh, doing things they're passionate about. Yeah, and as, as you know and you learn through the years, you know, property just becomes your your life and, you know, and, I really didn't have a lot of other interests, so I worked hard and I loved what I did and that sort of all came all came quite naturally. Um, so, yeah, as I said, I, I think the opportunities of having been young um, was great because I was that young girl and I didn't feel that it was threatening to anyone really. I was just there doing my, doing my job. Doing and, your thing. Yep, and nice. being quite low maintenance at, at the time. Yeah, absolutely. There's not a lot of that around these days. No. <laughs> Um, and so you're now um, you now specialize in the um, in the project space, I believe. Yeah, correct. Yeah, so, so how did you gravitate to that end? Well, it was just a natural progression. Um, you know, I sort of started off in that new build in construction in house and land. Um, I love the creative side of that. So I love the yeah. fact that people could come to you with a block of land and what sort of house works and you know and, and you really, Within limitation, there were always volume builders I worked for. So within limitations, I could sort of come in these creative sort of yeah, concepts. Yeah. And and from there, just taking it through to, uh, I suppose, my passion for cities and inner city. And I thought, okay, well, I want to now work high rise. I want to sell, yep. you know, high rise. So um, at that point, then I um, started working with a developer and we, we saw one of the, the best developments. I'm actually in there now um, in, in South Bank. Um, Prima Tower and that was a great learning curve for me so from there it's you know now sort of offering the developers the same sort of insight and that that I can offer them both from a sales perspective having come through the sales ranks and also remember when I said at uni like I I studied marketing still with that marketing hat on too. Um, I mean real estate is all about marketing right you're marketing mm. property and you're also marketing yourself and you'd be marketing a um, um, a building and a brand of a building as well. So, yeah, makes sense. Well, it's so interesting now because one, another company that I have an interest in, um, uh, that's actually a digital marketing company. So oh, okay. with that, yeah. we're now actually sort of, it's again expanding that sort of knowledge. And even this morning I was speaking to a salesperson working for a development company. It's okay. How can you actually be, be very effective in the digital space, but actually assist sales, assist the sales process, get all that sort of nurturing and communication down pat so then the salespeople can just focus on being salespeople. What and, they're good at. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so yeah I it's think, all come um, together. It's great. Yeah, I, I think often um, as real estate people, we expect salespeople in particular to do everything. 
And really, mm. they're only good at this much of the process, right? So yeah. why not um, take the rest of it away from them? Yeah, well, that's what they're, yeah, that, that's all they want to do. They just want to, yeah. they don't want to be on the phones, calling back, no answer, call back, no answer. They just want to be there talking to people and yeah. and motivating people to the close. And, and we need them there. Like salespeople have that effective role, but. Uh, absolutely absolutely right um and it's not easy to find good ones so when we've got good ones look after them and nurture them and encourage them to do the stuff they're yes. good at right and and support them in the rest yeah couldn't agree more yes uh and so you've got your own business now yes how yeah. long ago did you start that so lara Morrow property i started that two years ago okay um great times that i chose to yeah start well done funny. yeah well done lara yeah <laughs> But I guess um, with that, that's, I suppose, the umbrella the umbrella brand. So for me, Lara Murray Property, and it's funny, for years I said, oh, I'm going to work for myself and then I would work for a developer and work as a, a channel manager or in their sales and marketing team and then branch out on my own, not go to work for another developer. But then I just thought, no, enough's enough. I've, you know, it's been great experience to work for some of Melbourne's best developers um, I just feel that now I can offer my expertise and be a lot more impartial, both to developers. Um, so I will work for closely with developers um, and help them with their sales strategy. So whether they um, decide to sell through channels, I can uh, match them up with the right channels. Yep. A friend of mine calls me like a bit of a matchmaker, you know, yep. um, in that sort of space. Um, or whether they need, uh, you know, to, to do direct sales, then I can help them actually find the right retail team and I take them through that. So that's part of my business. Um, the other part which I'm quite passionate about and just about to launch a campaign on um, is buyer's advocacy, um, but specialising in the apartment space. Okay. So I just don't feel like anyone's actually taken that uh, seriously by as advocates, you know, uh, offering the house space. But with all my years of experience, I'm just so excited to be able to really part with yeah. that, with people buying apartments because you can get it really wrong, you know. Well, we've seen, I, I'm, not, um, I'm not sure whether Melbourne's experienced the same challenges we have in Sydney, but we've literally got buildings all but falling down, right? cracks and really major major defects that um, effectively mean the properties are worth nothing you yeah. cannot sell, you can't give them away let alone sell that. them mm-hmm. um, and so I think it's the perfect time to actually give people that confidence right in um, dealing with someone who knows exactly you know the developers you know the quality of the work that's being done because you've been in that space for so long yeah, yeah. Like it's um you know and, and and there's different different people with different needs so obviously you have the you know baby boomers which are downsizing now or in pe- people in Melbourne that are thinking I'm selling up my home I want to move up to Queensland um but they might want a, a little pied-à-terre a little, little Melbourne base how does someone decide which apartment building to yeah. to buy in you might have exactly the same location for example, here in South Bank, side by side, yet one, you'd be making a really bad choice um, and the other one, yeah, would be a good choice. Or also within the same development, you might find a really bad floor plan or an apartment that really will have no capital growth, um, but you could get a really positive story um, with an apartment with a, with a better view at a, at a higher level with the right floor plan. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and then there's a part that, uh, people sort of, there's so much negative press and I've heard it over the years 
um, with off the plan as well. Yep. Um, I'm very pro off the plan. I like buying off the plan. I've bought off the plan for myself and I've never lost money. Um, have I made as much capital growth as, as if I bought a, a house? No, but that wasn't my strategy. Yep. Um, so it's about um, giving people that sort of level of service. So not even as a necessarily a, a done for you, a buyer's advocate, I'm going to buy everything for you, but even just offering them that mentoring service, which um, I think will be invaluable for their purchase. Yeah. Okay. So will you do the buy for you as well or just the yeah. mentoring? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's a, I do yeah. the buy for you now. Yep. Um, the mentoring I I do, you know, for, for friends. For friends, um, yeah. And actually taking that to the to the next level and, and being a bit more public about that. Yeah, it sounds like a great idea. Um, and so you've already shared with us how old you are. Um, <laughs> so it's only been two years that you've had your own business. How difficult was it to make that kind of decision at that stage at that stage in your life and career? Because it's you sort of think it, you because you, I've done, I've recently done the same thing. I've got ten years on you, but um, I've recently bought um, into a business as well, and I really struggled with that decision because it's like, God, is that really you know? Do I really want to take that kind of risk now? Mm, I know, especially when you sort of get comfortable and totally, you know, you have you know loans to pay, and um, it was a long time coming. Coming, it definitely wasn't an overnight decision. Yeah, you know, and, and I look back and I think, I think you know, I had a lot of uh, friends, um, you know, tell me I you know, should have backed myself, and why don't you back yourself? Um, yeah, I, I think I just took the opportunity when, um, when I could, when I sort of just made that decision. I, I, I moved to the Gold Coast uh, when I was working with a developer, and then I came back. And then that, that's, I think that was the Gold Coast was enough of a break to sort of say, hey, I've worked up there. I work pretty independently, even though I work exclusively for this developer. Um, and coming back here, I thought, yeah, I, I can't work for one developer. I want to work for them all, in essence. Um, you know, so, yeah, it, it, from that place. Um, the, I was lucky because I was always in that channel sort of space and selling yep. um, through channels that, my my income actually never never went backwards, or I never really had to take that sort of clean, that start. Yeah, um, especially in projects as well, because when you also do make sales, your the disadvantage is you don't get paid everything up front. Um, but the advantage is that you forget about the money that you're owed, totally. and then a few years down the track, you've got these little bits of. Income, income coming in so yeah, it's like christmas a couple of years down the track yep yeah exactly time to go buy a handbag <laughs> absolutely gotta love that and so you're in melbourne you've been the most locked down city in the world how did um and you sort of only just started your business when that happened how did you cope with that well, that's what I think. For me, it was a blessing because and I hate saying that because I know a lot of people have really struggled with sure. lockdown um, and it kind of upsets me in saying that. But it actually was um, because it actually allowed me to channel in my um, what I needed to do for myself and my business. Yep. Um, you know, the past week we've been out of lockdown. I, I don't get 
two minutes to myself within people calling or whether they're just people asking for advice or some brokers needing some properties or whatever the case is. It yep. it, it just doesn't stop. So that time I didn't really hear from anyone, yep. um, you know, just a, a few colleagues I, I constantly work with. Yep. Um, there are a couple of deals, especially in the apartment space, everything went really quiet. So yep. it was a bit frustrating hearing that Melbourne property prices are going up, yet in my apartment world it was just very, very stagnant. Yep. Um, I still had a few buyer, buying advocacy clients that I serviced and still had some sort of um, transactions, which was great. Um, but for me, it was about the, the blessing was in uh, realising that having that more mentoring model that I want to put out there um, and working the past year, I've really been working on the back end of that. So it's all the online, the digital um, and getting all that up to a point that hopefully I'm ready to launch in the next week or so oh wow oh that's yeah. super exciting yeah um, and really. so if um if people that are watching this want to connect with that where that what should they look for um i think they could there's two two parts um i think they can definitely go onto my website laramorrow.com.au um, and there they'll find my list of services and in particular the, the coaching and mentoring service. Yep. Um, that would probably be the best start. Um, the other thing, actually, and Leanne, you inspired this uh, for me. Did I? Um, <laughs> what? was um, starting a, a little podcast. Oh, um, which, Yeah, which was really initially I thought, oh, I'll, I'll do a podcast and talk to people about, maybe downsizing and yep. um, how how they can buy apartments and what to look out for and what space do they need and what to buy, what not to buy. Yep. Um, but I'm really excited that I've also teamed up with a friend of mine that I've done some work, a few jobs with. She's an interior designer mm-hmm. um, and she's gone through the downsizing process. Um, she's helped me with my clients remodel their and redesign all their apartments. Yep um and made them look absolutely amazing so we're really excited to launch or start creating this we'll call it downsize by design yeah um, where we're just sort of sharing our you know what to buy and how to make it look and the whole process and just really offering that out so that's yeah that'll that be sounds fun. great you'll be able to do a lot of um in the social space with that promoting that as well right lots yeah. of um great visuals so i think yeah. um yeah, that's a great space to be in. Let's face it, there's so many of us that really, um, if we're not downsizing, we should be. I also believe there's sort of like the, the, the you know, if people don't think that they downsize once, they don't realise that it's actually going to, as much as you think you're going to want to downsize once, it's probably going to be a two-stage process. Yeah. So I find a lot of downsizers think I need to downsize and they've got this big house and they look for a, 80 square meter apartment and yep. it's like mm, that's that's too small yeah so there's this transition in between and along with that obviously comes expectations of what they're going to pay yep. um, and also understanding the different lifestyle that they will have when they do choose to downsize at least sort of the first time so yeah I know my parents downsized what's that um, once twice three times they did there was that, that apartment step in the middle that they really shouldn't have they really shouldn't have done. But um, you know, people just can't be told, can they? Yeah, no. But but also um I spoke to a gentleman here in um in Melbourne and um he set up a 
a company called House Partners. Yeah. Um, and he's a developer and he's um they're about um he, he's all about sort of trying to promote larger style apartments. Yeah. Um and sort of coining that as well. And and his ethos and mine are very similar. You know, he had friends and very educated people, uh, a couple of lawyers, ended up buying an apartment, and the apartment was 80 square meters, and you know, they just couldn't live in it. So all of a sudden they were stuck with his apartment. Uh, apartment was a bit higher in price. I, I, anyone knows if you buy a brand new apartment, generally, I won't say all the time, um, you know, the day it settles, you're not going to get the same price for it right away. Sure. Um, so, yeah, all of a sudden they're in a loss, loss of time. and Massively stressful when you find yourself in that situation. You feel like you can't get out of it. Yeah. And also I find that the other frustrating thing is that you you'll get uh, you know, downsizers that will go look at, let's say they go look at off the plan or go to see an apartment, it actually takes some time to go through those considerations. But by the time they've decided the apartment's gone oh, exactly. or the project's finished. Yeah, and the market's moved by 10%. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a matter of if I can give everyone the, the knowledge up front, yep. take them through that journey so then when they're out there looking, then they know what to buy and they can be in a better position to make the right decisions. Yeah, that's a, you've got some really cool stuff going on. Well done, yeah. you. Yeah. And you were recently named um, among 15 um, property experts in Australia um, to watch by the Australian Business Journal. Tell me about that. That's exciting. I know. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. That was just a a bit of editorial. So um, uh, hopefully I'm doing something right out there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It was just, um, uh, I guess they, um, yeah, they just approached me to, to put the article up. I'm always quite sort of humble with, with what you know, with with my uh, what I sort of advocate out there, yeah, yeah. Oh, so hopefully, amazing. watch this space. Yeah, absolutely. That's the way to do it, right? I like to talk about um, what we've achieved, not what we're going to do. I think there's a lot of people out there who are very big on telling you what they're going to do and where they're, you know, but. No, no. I think you've got something. To I think that's also, um, if I can say, sort of the longevity I've had in this industry has probably been that. That's sort of been one of the the you know the culmination of that sort of attitude that I've had to for for a long time. I, I you know, I know the industry, um, you know, can have people that are forthright and certain and sort of in that, you know, sure. that sort of um, sort of the, the braggability scale of, you know, of yep. eight out of 10. Um, but, but I think one, one thing that's, yeah, held me um, my ground along the way is just that, you know, just, just, just get it done. Yeah. There's um, there's people, the, the industry is quite split between those that are humble and have that service, um, mentality and it's all about the consumer or the hey look at me and my um, Rolex and um, Maserati um, there's quite a yeah bit of a disconnect between the two sides of the industry but hey takes all types to make the world go around yeah absolutely absolutely and before I leave you um, as you know the the podcast is called courageous conversations when you've got to have a courageous conversation with yourself or somebody else I tend to have to have them with myself more than anybody else to be honest what sort of processes do you go through even internally to actually deal with things that are really pushing you outside of your comfort zone or or challenging you in some way yeah I always um I like to go for a run (laughs) yeah okay 
a run is sort of like my meeting with myself. Yep. Um, and so I guess with that run, it's just uh, separating myself, trying to separate myself from yep. what the the situation is. Yep. Um, and then uh, asking myself sort of what what does that look like? I think the 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 most thing that I try and do is not take things personally. Yeah, I try and advice. remove things from myself because we all have so much negative self-talk. Uh, I've had it for, I've been beating, beating with, battling with that for so many, much of my life. Really? Um, so I just try and shut that out and just think okay if it wasn't personal what would it look like I mean sometimes you you might be talking to a client or you've had a presentation you're thinking oh that didn't go so well instantly you might think that it's something bad or you haven't heard back from them oh no they're they're not interested but it's really trying to separate that and think is that actually really the case you know and until you know you don't know you know yeah, it's um I, I've done a bit um on imposter syndrome and that sort of yes. stuff. I, I write a um a LinkedIn post called um my inner voice is an asshole. Excuse me. <laughs> um but um, but um yeah it's interesting, isn't it? Because people look at people like us that are, you know, in business, successful, outwardly confident, and wouldn't actually think that we would have that um, that internal voice and that challenge, but it's really common, right? Yeah, I don't know if you'd be normal if you didn't have it, but I don't know. That's just yeah, me. it's not personal. Um, and go for a run or whatever it is that um, lets you kind of get outside of your outside of your head a little bit. Yeah, good advice. All right. Well, I will look forward to tuning into your podcast. Great. Um, and um, good luck with everything that you've got going on. You are one busy lady at the moment. Yes, I am. Thank you so much, Leanne. It's been a real pleasure. Hey, that's my pleasure. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Courageous Conversations with thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agency's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joineliteagent.com.